BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Keep your money local. Bring it home to a Wintrust Community Bank, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at wintrust.com slash Cubs. Member FDIC. Let's play two. Welcome into the Cubs Talk podcast presented by Wintrust Community Bank. I'm Luke Stuckmeyer. Today's going to be a fun one. Now, we've been trying to bring you a behind-the-scenes look at some of what we do, uh, who we are. Uh, we had a podcast, a get-to-know podcast with David DeJesus earlier in the season, yeah. which was a ton of fun. And today, she's here. Get to know Kelly Kroll. I'm a little nervous about this. I don't love when the questions are turned around on me. You uh-huh. know what I mean? The I like to be the one driving the ship. Flipped. <laughs> uh, what you got I'm for me? I'm trying to think where we should start. I just wrote, jotted down a couple notes. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to know, too. I mean, we get so many people who interact with us on Twitter about our podcast. Yeah. Like, you know, ask us questions, yeah. and, and we can kind of get into some of those things. I know you we guys are probably do... curious about some things like that. That might be a fun podcast. Yeah, we're gonna for have to do road, some mailbags. Some mailbags yeah. soon, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get with. Let's just start with sports first. You're from you Indiana, it. right? Yep, grew up north of Indianapolis in what, a suburb. What did you play first? Was it tennis or bowling? Because both were a big part of your life growing up, correct? They, they are both very instrumental in my life and who I am and, and, and my family dynamic, honestly. Um, what was the first thing I started doing? Uh, yeah, a bowling ball was in my hand as soon as I could basically crawl and push it down the lane, truthfully. I was at, yeah. I mean, I was the baby in the bowling alley, true story. Like, <laughs> the one whose crib was set up, this is going to make my parents probably really angry that I tell this story. They, it re- I promise you they are amazing parents, but I was so the one with the crib in the bar of the bowling alley, back in the back part of the bar where, like, it was quiet and cold, right. of course, you know, and they kept me there when I'd sleep all. Of course, my dad's running it, and my mom would be in leagues and But it was in. your, it was their bowling alley. It's they weren't their just, bowling they weren't taking you to no. the bowling alley in a crib. <laughs> no, good point. Just to clarify. It's our, it was our second home. Still is, I guess. My grandparents built it. I'm, my dad's mom and dad. And so, yeah, I mean, that, and my dad took it over after he came off the tour. My dad was a professional bowler. People find that to be interesting. And so that is why bowling was so uh, instrumental early on in my life. And, yeah, probably the bowling first. But, I mean, I had a racket in my hand by the time I was three because it, I remember being in a class they called tot tennis, like toddler tennis. Three is yeah, really, really young early. to pick up And, sports. you know, all it is really was hand-eye coordination. They're just yeah. kind of tossing balls to you and you're trying to catch them. But, yeah, you had the little tiny mini rackets that kids get to have. So 
I started really early with that. And swimming, you name it, from an athletic standpoint, I was so blessed that my parents literally let me try everything. I tried soccer. I ran around in little circles. I was terrible at it because I was just terrible at running. <laughs> I was lazy and, and a little, I was a little chubsy-wubsy too, by the way, growing up. So um, I, I horseback riding, I w did equestrian camps but, and but stuff. But you picked up a tennis racket at three. Did at three years old, did you want to play tennis, or did your parents say, hey, let's put her in a little tennis camp? Yeah, actually. that's what they did. Yep. Yeah. My dad played in college as well, and so it was something he really enjoyed, and he thought, you know, why not? Yeah, let's get her involved. And that I liked more, or at least I think for any of you that have kids, you kind of know at three and even four, like you're, you start to pick things that you want to do a little bit more. At least you let your your parents know, like, I'm this this I'm having fun with versus being completely not engaged, which was soccer for me. Right. So there are other things. Oh, I didn't things, like soccer that either. Was, that was not a good I'm not a runner. Me. No, I'm not a runner, same. so soccer was pretty much out early on. I'd be like, why is everybody running around? I'm over here by the Gatorade. <laughs> I was picking dandelions yeah. and making necklaces. Yeah. When the ball comes <laughs> back to my side, then exactly. I'll start chasing it a little bit. Exactly, exactly. But um, And then, of course, as you mentioned, growing up in Indiana, the one sport that when you are old enough to really start doing at like a team level that you absolutely have to do is basketball. I mean, I had Hoosiers. to play. I yes, mean, that's it. Right. You have to play hoops. So I want to say the first, I was in third grade when I was part of the Boys and Girls Club League. That was the first introduction into basketball. And being the sports fan that I was, uh, Luke, and I know you, we all have these stories, right? Like my dad, huge sports guy. My mom tolerates it. You know, she enjoys it, but it, it, she didn't really grow up playing a whole lot. But like uh, we'd, my dad, every Pacers game, every Colts game, you name it, we were watching it. And so the point guard I grew up watching was Mark Jackson. And that was the Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Rick Smith, that whole group, yeah. Reggie Miller. Right, we and don't so, like him here, but that's okay. Of course, and I hated the Bulls, I'm not going to lie, growing <laughs> up. I mean, you guys beat us in everything. And so Mark Jackson, if any of you remember watching him play, his, his kind of – a uh, staple was to cross half court and turn around backwards and kind of back the ball in. Yeah. And so I've told stories of my first ever Boys and Girls Club League. They hand me the ball, and I, I was at least ahead of a lot of the, the girls just because I actually watched it and knew kind of what basketball was all about. Yeah. So I wasn't at the beginner level as a lot of them. But I grabbed the ball, and the first time up the court, I turned around backwards and, like, backed it in and, like, tried to go behind the back to pass it. And the coach looked at my dad and was like, what is she doing? And he's so, like, she watches a lot of Mark Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So was tennis your – you played college tennis. Was tennis your best sport or your favorite sport? Yeah, it was my best sport. My favorite sport was basketball. But being that I was 5'7 and quick, but not super quick, uh, just probably wasn't going to get offers like I did in tennis. And, um, you know, I mean, even Luke at our age, concussions were a thing. And I had three before I graduated high school. Hence, if you guys ever see me lose it on air, that could be it. <laughs> so don't be too hard on me. No, um, but I did. And by the third concussion, my dad had kind of seen enough, I think, to say, you know, I just think the non-contact sport is the way, way to go. And I was getting better offers, certainly, with tennis. And so it's not that I didn't love it. Of course I loved it. I, I spent hours and hours and hours doing it. It just, I think the team aspect of basketball is so, you know, you just love the right. socialization and being able to do that with others, whereas tennis is very much an individual-driven sport. Um, what do you remember about high school tennis? Because I was thinking, like, <laughs> I would really love to get a showdown oh, between boy. Kelly Kroll 
and Megan Mawaki from Channel 2. I have heard you Megan, say this before. Yeah, yeah. Megan is a two-time state champ from New Trier yeah. in doubles. Now, you're mo mostly singles, or did you play doubles too? No, doubles was actually my forte as well. Oh, okay. I was I was really good at doubles. I played one doubles oftentimes in college, um, and then like five or six singles. And I, a lot of people may or may not know, but uh, college tennis, at least in the United States, at a lot of Division One schools, um, are European-dominated, actually. I mean, I was one of only two Americans on my team, and oftentimes you, those girls are just, I mean, half of them have been on the tour and then come off, and then there they are at your school, you know, but uh, high school tennis is so different, and Luke, we, we kind of chatted about this. The one thing that's really tough, and tennis needs to figure out how to make it better, I think, at the high school level, is that in, really in order to be recruited, and I know there are other sports like this, but in order to be recruited and seen, the best thing you can do is build up your ranking, which is done in tournaments outside of high school. Right. It's like tournaments you go to and you play in and your parents put up the money, that stuff. Um, Playing in high school, really, those six months that you take yourself out of playing tournaments actually hurts you to play for your high school team. So there was a year that I didn't play for my high school team because I wanted my sophomore year to get my ranking as high as I could. And then once I started getting offers, I felt like, you know what, I, I can go back and play high school now and, and just enjoy this with the girls that I love and that are my friends. So, But, hey, Megan, man, she is – State champ, that's, I that's know. no joke. She now and I would probably be pretty close, I bet. Did, Pretty close. Did, what was the peak of your high school career? Did you get to a state championship? Did you have a tough loss beforehand? Yes. Uh, I, how did it work out for tough. you? It's tough. You know, I made it to regionals every year. Yeah. But regionals is where I ran into a girl who was a four-time state champion and went off to play at Wake Forest, and her name was Katie Martzoff, and we trained together. We had the same <laughs> personal coach, and it was one of those things. It's like, you know – you guys all know when you, you in those sports certain there's just certain athletes that are just yeah. that good and she was a beast. She was so good. It was one of these people too that it was almost like unless she had a terrible day, I really wasn't going to and even mentally upstairs at, at a high school level, I didn't have the belief in myself probably to ever be able to quite get past Katie. But I bet she's not doing Cubs interviews after the game. She is not. She's not, right? No, she's not. But she's a mother of two. And I think she actually runs now her own tennis uh, facility nice. in, in and around where we grew up. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. <laughs> um, I tried to Wikipedia you. Oh, and no. It says something about CBS London Bureau. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, so through so I went to school at Mizzou. That's where I went to college and played tennis, as we were talking about. And they have a really great journalism school. And part of the journalism school, they offer you junior year an opportunity to study abroad as part of like the journalism program. And they give you an internship wherever you go. And so I was studying in London, and the internship they lined me up with was at the CBS News Bureau there. And you want to know what's hysterical. It's not really sports related, but they found a way knowing I wanted to do sports to kind of help weave in a few opportunities. And Luke, that was the year they were one bidding for the Olympics, the 2012 Olympics. Oh, yeah. So I kind of got to do a few cool stories on that. Um, I'm trying to think if there was there weren't too many other sports related stories, but the two cool interviews I did get to do while I was over there. They had the royal wedding with Camilla Parker Bowles. Yeah. And, yep. and um, 
Charles, Prince Charles, yes. And I'd want to make sure I got that right. So I got to be a runner for the royal wedding, which was cool to the American girl who is so right. into that pageantry, right, that they have and that they get sick of. But I think all of us over here just, just eat it up. And then the other interview, they actually let me sit down with, and I may say it wrong, J.K. Rowling, the author of all oh, the yeah. Harry Potter books. And it was at the time where they were getting ready, I think, to either start the second movie or something but she was fascinating because um she mentioned how the books were so much bigger in america than they were in europe at the time and so that's actually why the news director at the cbs news bureau was like hey you're american why don't you go sit down and <laughs> you're talk american to go talk yeah to and so it was actually great i mean so there were some really cool things and luke as you know in this in this industry your, your journey and your path is always so unique and, in, and interesting, and the, the things you get to do don't always make sense, but they're So how does all that stuff special. that we've just talked about help you today? Whether it's, or, or how did it get to you, get you to where you are today? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how, how does picking up a racket at three and going to tennis lessons over and over and, and losing to the same girl, <laughs> how, do, you know, how does that stuff yeah. motivate you and then and do you do you think that all led you to the place where you are? Yeah, without a doubt, of course. I think we all can, you know, connect the dots in ways of of our you know childhood and uh, young adulthood and, and where we end up. And I th I think for me the obvious thing was to my parents and then you know me, I loved sports and I have been passionate about that and and the competitiveness in me. It has always been there, and I think that carries over into every aspect of our industry. Um, I think the the hours. I think hours, it carries over into life. Oh, without to be a doubt. With you, I think that's the best thing about sports is that when you compete against somebody else, if you're doing it the right way for the right reasons, yes, um, it's a life lesson that you will learn in any facet of your life you go moving forward in. I totally right? agree. Like it, it's I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think of the hours of commitment and basically like at a very young age, time management was huge for right. me. Right. And anyone who plays sports too, because you're going from school to sports to somewhere finding a, a chance to eat, but then do your homework and then get to bed. And, and that kind of routine, I think, yeah, you carry that over into I, time management. I think it's huge. We work on a deadline yeah. every day. And if we don't manage our time properly, we won't be prepared for those, those kind of reports and stuff. I think about that. I think, um, Learning, yeah, losing at times teaches you more. You'll hear guys say it all the time. Teaches you more about yourself than than winning. Sometimes, what you need to work on, how to self-evaluate and make yourself better as a person, as an athlete, all of those things. And and I think that's taken us through. And and my journey in in sports began at a small market, working my way up. Just getting into the industry was tough. I mean, sent out bazillions of resume tapes and didn't hear back from anybody. And three months later, I'm still working at the station there in Columbia, Missouri, that <laughs> they let us put things together. And my mom was about ready to pull the plug and say, it's time to look for something else because they're paying for me to live out there still. And then I get the call from West Lafayette, Indiana, little tiny station. Um, and that's where the career started. And, and, and then when did you decide though, that up. that's what you wanted to do? Was that back in high school? Um, was it later as you're going through Mizzou? That's a good question. I, our high school did morning announcements. I'm sure lots of high schools have this, especially sure. now. But back when I was in school, it was one of the top state-of-the-art. Like we had televisions in every classroom, and we could actually go live with a morning 
newscast they did. And so they offered a communications class that that I thought looked fun. And, and I had friends doing it. And I said, sure. And and basically all we did was go live with you know, school announcements. And then we did brush up on all of the sports teams that had played the night before and who did well and, and those kinds of things. And so, yeah, I got to do the sports segment and really enjoyed it. And so I think I took that into consideration when I was being recruited by certain schools um, who had good communications or journalism programs. And it just, by the grace of God, happened that I loved Mizzou. I loved the, when I visited there. I fell in love with campus and the girls on the team. And then the fact that they had such a great journalism school just seemed like the right fit. And so then I kind of went on with it. Let's talk about serious stuff. Oh, boy. Let's what's, not. what's your favorite food? My favorite food. Is it a sweet or is it... Okay, I wasn't sure if uh, I was allowed a, to go there. Is it a sweet or a carb? The biggest... I have the biggest sweet tooth of, like, anyone I know. I will skip dinner if I can have a bag of gummy worms. Or, like, <laughs> that's my, like... If I've had a really bad day, this is going to sound so, so terrible. Uh, it is a Diet Mountain Dew and a pack of gummy worms. That's my, like, guy Diet have. Dew and mm-hmm. gummy worms. That picks my spirits up right away. Yep. Some days you and just your energy it. level for yeah. like 35 minutes. <laughs> and then I hit a wall, and the day's done. I go to bed, and we start over. <laughs> uh, if you're from Indiana, that means you like country music, which I know is true. Love country music. So what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, that's a great one. I think that the bar always gets into Garth Brooks, and I got friends in low places. You Did, did you go to... Uh, Oh, we had Joe's a game that right. night. I would go. have loved to, but I did make it to John Lester's charity event, and he had Dustin Lynch there, and he was fantastic. I was super impressed with him. So, and Lake Shake, I really enjoy Windy City Smokeout. Those festivals that they do here in Chicago are tremendous, and they get some great. And Wrigley, you know, a lot of those artists come out and throw out the first pitch, so right. I've gotten to meet some of them, and I, I get, I don't get starstruck like ever, especially with athletes. Who was there ever. the other day, country guy? Yeah, well, um, Chase Rice. Chase Rice. Yes, who I did get to meet, actually. You did. At John Lester's event later that night. Okay. Super nice guy. Um, yeah, it, it, I I do get starstruck around country music artists, and I think it's just because it's not people we get to see very often. Right. And it's funny, I told Chase this because I said, I'm sorry, I'm a big fan, and I'm probably going to stumble over my words right now because I get starstruck in front of you guys. I could go, I can deal all day with these Cubs athletes, and he goes, it's so funny you say that because – I get nervous around athletes, but not around, I can be around Garth Brooks. He brought up Garth right. Brooks, who he did get to see his show Monday night. Um, and he goes, yeah, I can be hanging out with Garth, talking, you know, shooting the breeze, playing a little guitar with him. Won't think twice of it, but I get around John Lester and I can't even say hi to the guy. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> I know, that, that know what you mean. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I do love country music and um, try to try to take it in as much as I can. Uh, let's go with stories from the sidelines do you have a story you could tell us from bulls from oklahoma i mean you did the thunder yeah uh cubs wherever is oh man i could write a book on all these where's the where's the funniest story you've had or something like that i told a story i think on the bulls podcast maybe one time about kevin durant or it it might have been when kd was going through his free agency and and mark shanowski may have asked me what 
what I thought of Kevin and this and that. And I always think this story is just kind of interesting because he gets made to be the villain so often in, in how he's gone about his later part of his career. Um, but Kevin, when I was with him in, in Oklahoma City, was one of the um, kindest, um, almost shy, uh, young athletes kind of coming figuring it out coming into his own but one of the things he was not good at with was flying he was a horrible flyer and so as many of you probably know the weather in Oklahoma City though is terrible so landing planes often and we fly all the time it's not a great landing it's a lot of turbulence often especially during tornado season which is May when they're playing and so he, for some reason, had gotten up and used the bathroom at the back of the plane, even though they had one at the front. In the back is where all the media sits, but it must have been in use or something. So he came back, and we had a big, like, bump, right, where your stomach right. ends up in your throat kind of feeling. And Kevin was coming out of the bathroom, and when that happened, I saw him kind of wobble. And then he gets down on one knee and grabs my hand because I'm sitting in the seat right next to him, and he goes, Kelly, you got to pray with me. Let's pray. And he starts praying about the <laughs> safe landing and, and God get us in there. And you he know? was serious. And, and then he, he like, yeah, he's serious. He like elbows me and is like, I'm, I'm going to need something from you. I mean, God's got to hear your prayers too, you know? And I was like, oh, we're doing this. We're really doing this. And I'll just like never for some reason that just struck <laughs> me because it was this huge athlete who in that moment looked so vulnerable, right? And human. it was, well, just, was a just a human, human exactly. Right. Just a human. And those are probably always my favorite stories are when you see these guys beyond the athletes. You're out there too, yeah. you know. I mean, who they are on the field is, is always great. We get to cover that. They're entertaining and, and, and they're the best in the world at what they do. That's why they're on that stage. But um, to, to see the human side of it is what I really have, especially as I've gotten older in the industry, I appreciate those moments even more. I like seeing their human side. I think that's why everybody liked seeing Albert Almora's reaction to when the girl was hurt yes. in the stands this year because yeah. he's really he's it a very was sensitive it was off, it was authentic you know yeah. it wasn't there was no way you could stage the reaction or what was going on mm -hmm. it was happening in the moment and you could see what he could be like off the field or is like off the field um, yeah like when the guys like I mean I've had the the Gatorade showers are always kind of a little entertaining because you right. get to see Jason Hayward warned me one was coming. Meanwhile, Almora like watches one slowly come in for Schwarber, but doesn't tell me Javi's coming around to get me. And like those are funny yeah. moments, I think. And I I will say, you know, the being on the bus with Rizzo and Fowler and Hayward the day of the and Bryant the day of the parade. I, I that was cool too to hear them in awe along with their parents and again the human side of just mesmerized and floored by that moment for them and that what it meant to this city. Those, those have always been really cool. But I, you really put me on the spot with this because I'm sure I have some tremendous. I like the KD story. story. It, yeah, it's kind of cool, right? That's funny. Like he's sitting there praying. Just, like yeah, I, I, to I'm get trying this to think plane, I've ever had cleaning. anything that. Tony Parker, when he was literally 18, came to the Spurs, and he used to ask the media to go get burgers after practice. That's great. Because he was so young, he didn't know anybody else on the team. So he'd be like, you guys want to go get a burger? Oh. Like, okay. I mean, he's from France. He didn't That's know great. anybody, yeah. you know. Pop was probably scaring the living daylights sure out was. of him at the sure. time. Oh, but, that's a great story. But, but I mean, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I should have flipped this around and asked you. I don't know. Speaking of KD, uh, 
it, he is also, the, not that anyone's seen the movie uh, Thunderstruck, yes. but that movie, KD kind of put on with his own people. And of course, he'd never done a movie before and they needed to do it on a tight budget. And I'll never forget him coming up to me after practice and saying, hey, you know, we're trying to find a sideline reporter for the movie. W <laughs> would you mind doing it like for, for not not yeah. a lot of money. Are you in <laughs> it? I am in it. Oh, I I'm in the that. first, like, in fact, you don't even have to watch the whole thing. If you just watch the first three minutes, I'm in it. Because so, I set up what the is scene that called? more than anything. I, what is the, the movie-based thing that you can Google and see what movie uh, somebody's been in? I am IMD, IMD, IMD card or something like that? Something like that. So, so do, you, do you have one? I do. Yeah, and I still get about 19 cents a year sent to me for all the residuals. For that movie? Uh-huh. Wow. Isn't that something? If you take that 19 cents and but you invest you, I it mean, into something. Can you imagine a player coming up and being like, hey, can you do this on the on the cheap, basically? Yeah. Because, like, this movie's cost us way more than we thought. I can't afford it. <laughs> Wait a minute. So did you answer my question? What's your go-to karaoke? I mentioned Friends in Low Places. That's that's your song? Yeah. I also, it's I mean, not country, Garth, but, but I do Alanis Morissette. I like to go after a little bit. Really? Jagged yeah. Little Pill? Yes. Yeah, those kinds of things. We did that. You know, that's actually, like kind of become a tradition so my birthday often falls during spring training when the cubs are in mesa well doesn't it always fall during spring well, yes. so the same yes. time, so every, same year, time every year okay. did you <laughs> guys sometimes those concussions back to those concussions training. my birthday is on the same date every year so, so i'm out in arizona often on my okay. birthday how about that all right and um it, yeah, it's become a thing with our crew. There's like a dive bar karaoke, and that's what we go do. Dive for, bar for karaoke birthday. for uh -huh. your birthday. Yeah, Guff's got a few, and, and Matt Buckman, and yeah, we, we have a good country, time Country, a lot that. of country guys. We do. A lot of country. Probably some Warrant, mm -hmm. Poison. Yeah, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Trying to think Buckman's very, you know, he's got a huge music like background, background yeah. and like, yeah, a lot of that. How do you deal with the, um, how do you deal with the weather? Yeah, it's tough on me. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, you're going, you're gonna have. We're, we're taping this right before it's about to be a hundred, <laughs> and you're gonna be at Wrigley Field, and you've had the opposite at Wrigley Field this season, where it's like thirty and going sleet. from snow to sleet to rain back to sleet, blowing in on you. And, yeah. and it's, I don't think people. Well, fans definitely know. You never go to Wrigley Field without a jacket unless it's 95 degrees. Right. Right. Because even if it's 80, there's a good chance the wind's going to turn around, something's going to happen, and you're going to have to go buy a sweatshirt. You betcha. Yeah. So how I, do you deal with it? Because you're, you're on, you're like in that dugout area, but that's not protecting you from the weather at all. Not at all. No. Yeah. Not like. And mind you, all of the, <laughs> the things you would need, heat and or air conditioning, that's all pointed towards the dugout, which is the opposite direction of where I am, which is on the outside of right. the dugout. Um, I, just like you said, I come as prepared as I, I possibly can, but for me, I am a full-on hot weather person, so the cold is just miserable for me. I'm not gonna lie, when you guys see my lips purple and my, my teeth are chattering and my, my, my hands are like, you know, shaking with the mic in it, it, it I'm, I'm off, I'm, I hate April and May at the ballpark. I really do. Um, it is super tough on me. No matter how many layers I get, the wind just cuts through you, and it like is terrible. I feel like you just terrible. need to wear a Carhartt outfit, though, Kelly. <laughs> I like, should. Well, I will, will say accept about that in Chicago. Go get one of those heavy Carhartt uh -huh, construction right. outfits, like the That's guys fair. use for ice fishing. Mm -hmm. Hunker down. That's fair. 
and, and you'll feel better. I did about two years ago, kind of what you were saying on the rush. Uh, I gave up on trying to like look cute, which is part of our, our business. I know, though, but to you people have to listening give up. right now, I'm not trying to be vain, but your appearance on air is important, and even right. our bosses let us know this. So like, but I did give up on like trying to. Um, you know, make sure I had a different sweater or a different scarf on every day. So I looked, no, I wear the same jacket, the same scarf, yes. usually the same nine layers underneath of it, wash it once a week kind of thing. And just, you know, the hand warmers are key and everything else. But on the flip side of that, I complain a lot too about it. I complain all day long in that dugout, I'm sure. Um, on the flip side of that, when it turns to like what you were talking about this weekend, I would never complain because I handle the humidity really well. At least I'm not, I'm not... <laughs> This well, I mean, TMI, I'm sure, all that but I'm not a huge, though, right? I'm not a huge sweater. Yeah. So I'm okay, fortunate, that's good. You're very not a fortunate in that regard. And having played, yes, I think playing tennis, there's another it's carryover probably. Always hot. The the courts always 10 degrees hotter than you know. So you think about the heat index on. And in Indiana, we get a lot of the same weather as up here. It's humid. It's hot. It's miserable. Um, and I, I was playing through those days. So I think when it gets like that, I I really actually enjoy it. I do see how miserable it is for others around me. Right. But like as long as I got my sunscreen on and, and a nice like sweat absorbent dress, I'm I'm good. I mean, I am I I'm loving life with the sunshine out. All right, we don't have much time here before Cap kicks us off the set for Sports Talk Live. So I'm trying to figure out tell us something we don't know about you. Is is there something we can't that we don't know, we haven't heard somewhere, we haven't heard it on the air, it's yeah, not in your Wikipedia. I was thinking as you ran through all these things that I did growing up, the one thing I don't know that I've ever mentioned is I was also heavily involved in dancing. I was a ballet dancer all the way through high school. Um, and I will tell people to this day that I thought it had a huge carryover into all of my athletics. And I would have given, I was no good, let me point that out. I was not good at it, but it was so good for me, which is, you'll hear people say that about yoga and stuff Why, too. Why, like balance? Balance, coordination, flexibility. Um, I think it, again, um, remembering things is a big part of our, our job, right? Like a, a player tells you something and you have to regurgitate that information as closely to what he said it, right? Learning routines and choreography, that's memory. It's it's forcing your brain, right, to remember right. things. And then carry, the next week you come back and you're supposed to still remember that same routine or whatever. I think that helped me down the road. I really do. And, again, just um, teachers who are constantly changing things, giving you feedback on how you can get better and being able to take that and, and get better, right? And so I, I say that a lot. I think dance helped me incredibly in a lot of my – and I got made fun of big time by my, of course, athlete girlfriends who are like tutus and point shoes okay Kelly and it was like you guys don't understand and it did teach me how to also I think it's important to find that balance of being female and girly but carrying it over into athletics right. which is still something I do in this day and age right I have to be in a male dominated world but I, I, I want to look I want to look as you know presentable and and embrace the the woman and girl in me as well, even though I'm talking sports. But nothing you did in your childhood could ever prepare you for all the strange people we meet on Beer Money. <laughs> this is true. I mean, you can prepare nothing. all you want in even life. Even the weird but... uncle you might have isn't going to get you ready for this, which I don't have a weird uncle, sorry. <laughs> but maybe, maybe some strange people stroll through that bowling alley every once in a while. <laughs> this is true. If that, if there is one thing. We've done a Beer Money in a bowling alley. We have done a Beer Money couple at bowling alleys. That was fun. It, we got to go back to that. 
I'd love to. We do let that. you throw the ball to start the show I because did. and it, second one strike. Second one strike. Yeah, that's you no. Know, the first one was a warm. That's a spare. I mean, the second I had to. I reset don't know, my I'm no Earn McCracken, <laughs> big Earn McCracken. But I reset if the, the second pins. ball is a strike, it's I technically a spare. I reset the pins so that we could get it right. Yeah, it okay. was. Well, and I feel like, yeah, what I don't know what I haven't um, shared at this point. I feel like people know all my, uh, my dad's mom and dad are real professional quick. bowlers. My mom's mom and dad are just NBA people ever. NBA. Major League Baseball. MLB. Or some other league. Which one do you enjoy just watching at home the most? That's tough because I am kind of a seasonal person. I just That's really get too. into I, it. Is I, that a whatever fair answer? Season, when it's yeah. I mean, like when it's right basketball now, season, I like basketball. Same. When it's NFL season, I can, I can watch basketball in NFL same. and NFL and hockey too. And I get into any of the majors. Like when Wimbledon's on, I'm all in. I loved the World Cup. That we don't stuff. have time for the men's Wimbledon final, but that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> Five and a half hours. Yeah, I never played a match that long. That's good news. No. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> this was fun, Luke. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, maybe we'll do it again yeah, sometime because we'll get people to ask questions. Flip this around. We're going to do a get to know Luke. No, I like yes, to keep as much are. information about myself off the record. I can't wait to hear about little Luke. <laughs> uh, this is the Cubs Talk podcast presented by Wintrust Community Bank. More podcasts coming your way, so make sure you subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Art19, wherever you find them. That way you don't miss the Kelly Kroll episode, the next one. I just thought of something. When it comes, real quick, what is it? Do I have time? You asked yeah, me we the sideline story. We have a minute. The best sideline story. I just thought about this. My one year with the Padres, I had a guy by the name of Carlos Quinton on yeah, the squad. Yeah, sure, former White most, Sox player. Yes, most people here remember him. Carlos was on the DL for most of the year. He was really battling um, injuries that year. We were the Padres, that Disabled is. Disabled list, not the down low. The IL, I'm sorry. Right. It was the DL at the time, but right, the oh, yeah. IL. Now um, it's the IL, right. The Padres were really bad that year, and we had just done a 10-game or 9-game, 10-day road trip out east yes. in the middle of July. They were swept by Boston. We're flying in from Boston to D.C. on July 4th. And we land and get on the charter buses, and we are stuck in 4th of July, firework capital <laughs> traffic, okay? Ouch. I mean, we were not going to move for three hours probably. We were just stuck, and it is hot. They're bad. They're 15 games out. Who knows, right? And Carlos Quentin gets up from the back of the bus and walks to the front and tells Bud Black, I'm going to walk it. I want off the bus. <laughs> no way. I swear to you. I promise you. And from what I remember – Buddy was so tired of kind of like dealing with it that he was like, fine. And he let Carlos get off the bus. And for like probably 10 minutes, he's walking outside, sweating his tail off. And of course, the bus finally moves up to where we do catch him, maybe 15, 20 minutes yeah. later. And he gets back on just a sweaty mess and like puts his head down and walks right back to the back of the bus. Carlos Quentin. He was he was a gem, man. I, my understanding is he's still in San Diego, loving life though now. Long hair, uh, getting in some surfing these days. Nice. Loving life with wife and kids. Yeah, yeah. Good deal. So good for Carlos. All right, we'll have to save the next one for Kelly Kroll 2.0. Yeah, I got so many stories. Got a lot of stories. It was fun, Luke. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for listening to the Cubs Talk <laughs> podcast presented by Wintrust Community Bank. Take care. We'll talk to you soon and fly the W.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.